Kia ora, welcome back to Flying the Fern, powered by New Zealand Stories, Fernmark License Programme and produced by Raw Collective. This series is all about telling the real-life stories of well-known New Zealand businesses that carry the official Fernmark logo. We dig into how they came about, the challenges they've overcome, and their contribution to the reputation New Zealand businesses have around the world. On today's episode, we have Richard Smith, the CEO, founding director, and academic registrar at Auckland Institute of Studies. AIS is one of New Zealand's largest private tertiary education providers. It's been running since 1993, offering a wide range of NZQA-approved qualifications from beginner's English courses through to master's degrees. Courses are available online and in person, including business, tourism, IT, English, hospitality, health, well-being, and more. It relies heavily on international tourists, which is an industry we know was particularly hard hit through the COVID pandemic. This is just one of the big challenges that AIS team has had to overcome in its time. A tertiary education business is unique to many others. Not only is it a place of learning, but in the case of AIS, it also has accommodation for its students, many of whom are new to New Zealand and have no other connections here. It's a fascinating world where there's high competition to attract students from all over the globe. So how do they get ahead? And how does being from New Zealand help? In many ways, it's a really good gauge into how people overseas view New Zealand and how attractive this place is. Well, kia ora, Richard. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Now, if you had a friend visiting New Zealand for the first time, what would you advise that they should do, must do? Uh, my recommendation would be a, a trip to Tiri Tiri Matangi just oh. to see the wildlife. I mean, that's the first thing you hear when you come in through the airport and it's just wonderful sound of New Zealand. So Terry Terry is a great place to go from, from Auckland. I'd only been there for the first time, I think, about two years ago. So I feel ashamed that I didn't get there earlier. <laughs> it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, AIS, or Auckland Institute of Studies, started in 1990, I think. Yes, that's right. How do you go about starting up a private tertiary institute? Sounds like a very big endeavour. Yes, well, it's 32 years, of course, ago for us. Um, it was an interesting time in New Zealand education. The Education Act 1989 had just been passed and uh, it set the scene sort of for um, private providers to um, establish and uh, offer degrees. Yeah. So uh, that was our uh, vision at that time. We'd been working in China previously and had recognised the demand for an education offshore and the attraction of New Zealand. And that brought us to set up um, AIS as um, New Zealand's first private uh, business school. Fantastic. And how does it differ then from the other universities or other tertiaries that were around at the time or are around now? Well, very much smaller, of course. We offer a a medium style of tertiary environment, the same level in terms of quality as the state tertiary sector, but with our own unique features as a private provider. We think we're a lot more flexible and we've always been focused on international students, of course, so that's another difference from the local tertiaries. Yeah, and obviously as a private institution, you're sort of going up against us a bigger publicly funded sometimes institutes and you're having to hire staff at the same time as attract students and things like that. So, you know, it's obviously a different dynamic, really. We concentrate a lot on customer service. I mean, we treat the students as individuals and being smaller, we're able to do that. We offer a different timetable as well. So we do three trimesters a year. So students can start in January, May or September, which gives a different starting point from the traditional tertiary establishments. And um, it also means that students could finish their uh, qualification a bit faster as well if they're uh, prepared to put in the work. Right. And they don't need the big holidays that universities sometimes have. 
Yes, they tend to uh, concentrate on their studies and um, don't have so much to do um, oh. during the holidays. So uh, smash it out quicker. Now, obviously, a big thing to get accreditation back. 32 years ago, you had to get the courses accredited and, and that sort of thing. Was that tougher for you as a private institution at the time? It was interesting because the uh, the NZQA, which is our uh, regulator and gives us our quality assurance um, stamp of approval um, globally, they were starting up at the same time yeah. as a result of the Education Act 1989. So um, our first approval, uh, for, which was for general English, and English as a foreign language program was actually by the Ministry of Education. Oh. So when we came to become uh, properly uh, registered, that was through the NZQA in our second year in 1991. Right. So we've been uh, growing and, and learning and being uh, guided and supported by NZQA over that full time. Wow. Mm. And you converted an old hospital, I think, this, the St. Helens Maternity Hospital into a campus. Yes, well, we, we spent our first three years in rented premises here in the city, um, just on Custom Street above the old downtown uh, shopping centre. Oh. We grew up to about 200 students uh, within about three years and then uh, needed to find a bigger place. The step out to St. Helens, though, to actually buy an old um, hospital was a huge uh, step oh, for I us. And, uh, I don't think I would have done it myself, but uh, I was very fortunate to be partnering with a Chinese entrepreneur at right. that time. And he and uh, our other key shareholders had the vision and the dream to pick up an old hospital building and convert it into a tertiary campus. And uh, we're still there 30 years later, and it's Amazing. a beautiful environment for us and our students. Sounds like a very smart move mm. um, from a real estate point of view, if not <laughs> if not even from an academic one. Yeah, well, 10, 10 acres in the middle of, of Mount Albert. Wow. Uh, it felt like we were going out, out into the sticks and the outer parts of Auckland, but now it's really part of the CBD, and That's it's right. a great location for, for students, and, and, and there's also plenty of space there. Brilliant asset. Because you have accommodation on site too, don't you? Uh, yes, we converted the nurses home into a student uh, hostel. So many of our international students start off in the, in the dormitory there for the first few months. Um, some stay there for the full time. But wow. uh, And being in a residential area in Mount Albert, of course, we've got a, a very good um, homestay base of uh, local residents there as well who support our students. It's a key part of the uh, service for um, part of the international students. Suppose, yes. isn't it? When, you, when you talk to international students, it's not just about the academics, it's about the, you know, the cultural experience, I suppose. Uh, yes, definitely. There's a range of uh, student services, and particularly focused on pastoral care. So uh, accommodation is is one of those, but um, many others as well, including yeah. support with visas and uh, arrival and uh, settlement, banking, yeah. finance, health, medical. Wow. And all the way through to finding work after graduation. So um, Fabulous, end to end. And about, I think it's a big proportion of the students come from overseas, don't they? Yes, we're, we're at about 85% international at the moment, wow. and it's always been the focus. We set up AIS as an international college, and uh, we started off offering English language for the first uh, year, so that was generally international students or people on, on working holiday visas yeah. who were here and then developed the programs from there. But um, on the other hand, we've always valued the domestic students we've had as well. Yeah. We, we do have uh, government funding from the Tertiary Education Commission, uh, so 10 or 15% of our students are, are domestic students, and they also value the international environment as well. Yeah, I can campus. imagine. It, the, the, it's mm. the combination of the both for each party, the domestic students and the international, that must value both that. Both need each other. So yeah. to have a class full of uh, Kiwi and international students yeah. uh, learning alongside each other and supporting each other and each having different strengths and weaknesses, yeah. it, it makes the classroom work very well. Fantastic. How do you attract students from overseas to New Zealand? Because it's a long way to come, potentially. 
Uh, yes, well, initially uh, we we relied on walk-ins, of course, when we were offering English language uh, yeah. classes uh, downtown here. But um, at a very early stage, we appointed marketing staff uh, from the key markets that we expected, which yeah. which for us was um, China and other parts of North Asia, Japan, Korea, Taiwan. Then uh, gradually reached into Southeast Asia as well through um, Thailand, Singapore, wow. uh, Malaysia, Philippines, Indonesia, etc. And um, as well as appointing our own staff from those uh, countries, uh, we um, had uh, representatives, basically people that we knew yeah. who were prepared to wave the flag for AIS and uh, represent us in Tokyo, yeah. in uh, Jakarta. Brilliant. And in Seoul. So uh, okay. that, that gave us our initial market, which is very strongly Asian-focused at that time. And has diversified from that now? Very much so, yeah. as we've added new programs. So we've spread uh, particularly into the uh, Pacific Islands, then into the Indian subcontinent, wow. uh, starting uh, in the late 1990s when uh, India as a market was uh, opening up for education through the support of Trade Ends, as yeah. it was at the time, yeah. with an export education network group. So we were part of the initial um, foray of education providers into the in India market. We're still working with many of the uh, original agents that uh, we, we met at that time through, through trade-ins. So, yeah. um, and since then, more into uh, Europe as well. And okay. uh, recently, probably over the last decade or so, into um, Latin America. Gosh. So we have about 45 different countries uh, represented on campus. Well, I was just adding them up. So you don't have anyone from Antarctica, but apart from that, <laughs> you seem to be doing pretty well. Mm. <laughs> How? I mean, you've been there most of that time, haven't you? Yes, I'm one of the founding uh, shareholders, yeah. founding directors. So, um, yeah, must be and, and we've been working with the same team of investors along that time as well. So, my business partners uh, originally were migrants from Taiwan back in the uh, 1980s, and we've uh, formed a very strong group and um, have been working together throughout the whole of that period. So. Yeah. Do you find that you're sort of more than just an education provider for the students that come from overseas? Obviously, you've got that pastoral care component, but. You must provide uh, yes. a kind of a home base. Yes, definitely. We are, the, we are the home away from home and yeah. we, we, we spend a lot of time on our campus to make, make it feel like a home. So we welcome students to the AIS family. Yeah. That's how we see all of our students and that's uh, definitely what, what they need and uh, what we're able to give them, I think, uh, in terms of being a smaller institute so they're not lost right. at a larger institute. Yeah, with and, 800 um, people mm -hmm. in the lecture theatre, it's easy to yeah. be left behind. Yes, you now have, as I understand it, marketing managers across the world. So you're obviously doing a lot of outreach. Do you have to tailor the proposition to the market? Do you know, do you have to really sort of think carefully about what international destination is looking for? Yes, uh, that we've made key appointments who represent our main markets. So the strength there is um, through their language yeah. and through understanding the culture being able to work in those countries, understanding the social media as well, uh, quite different from English language speaking media in many yeah. of those countries. So um, the outreach through um, international staff working here on campus is very important. And then uh, targeting that to the uh, needs of um, various parts of the world, yeah. not only in terms of education, but um, some students are quite happy to come here and study and go back home. Yeah. Others uh, would certainly be looking at uh, options for work, right. uh, getting work experience after they graduate. So uh, it's different uh, in terms of their motivations from uh, different parts of the world. Yeah, can imagine. And, I mean, COVID was obviously a pretty difficult time for the international education sector mm. like yourselves. You know, tell us about what was that like and how have you managed to bounce back? It was really devastating for us. Uh, we were fortunate in a way that at the beginning of 2020, we had our first intake with a January semester. 
So we had a group of students uh, on shore at the time, but we uh, still had the latecomers who got stuck offshore, particularly those from China. And for the past three years of the pandemic, we've been helping that uh, group get through their qualifications with no or very few new students coming through. Right. And uh, many of our uh, qualifications at degree level are three years. So uh, being able to uh, have students starting at the beginning of 2020 who are just uh, graduating at the moment has uh, fortunately been able to see us through right. the, uh, the downturn. And now we're um, sort of back into recovery uh, mode and uh, building up gradually. There was a lot of restructuring, redundancies mm. along the way. We pivoted uh, quite suddenly in terms of our mode of delivery. Right. We'd already, we'd already been developing a lot of blended learning options in terms of face-to-face -face plus online. Yeah. But having to move 100% online very suddenly was quite a shock to yeah. us. So we had a, had a week uh, off completely and had the NZQA approvals come through for the uh, online delivery very quickly. And uh, that's now become a strength of the institution. Uh, we now have students studying around the world as well who are not, who wow. haven't, haven't uh, set foot on, onshore yet. But uh, the motivation, though, of course, is to actually come and study onshore. Yeah. It's, it's, it's to get the full experience, uh, the yes, wraparound. Yes, definitely. Yeah. The, uh, the tourism aspect, the yeah. way of life, the culture, the work experience onshore is very much part of the package. So uh, we won't be an online provider, but we would like to uh, offer the full range of services and attractions that oh. New Zealand can offer face-to-face in-country. -face, uh, in How do you find the New Zealand sort of proposition, you know, our New Zealandness? Is that a, a factor that you think draws students? It is. New Zealand's very fondly um, considered around the world and uh, we have positive vibes wherever we go. The small scale of the country, I think the isolation and uh, remoteness of the country is a, is a key advantage for us. We um, get people who really want to be here and yeah. want to make the most from their studies and quite often want to stay afterwards to contribute to the New Zealand um, economy as well. Yeah, We've been doing a lot of work on... Um, promoting the um, unique culture of New Zealand as well. We've recently appointed a Po Arahi, a Maori cultural advisor, yeah. who's been instrumental in uh, setting up a Maori tertiary advisory committee. And uh, from next year, we'll be including um, a treaty course and Maori business uh, oh, culture really? and environment as part of our uh, degree programs. So that's going to be another um, important uh, point yeah. and attraction or feature for us in the future as well. Do you find foreign students or, you know, people looking at the Institute are interested and curious and this is fulfilling that need? Is this something that you had expected? It wasn't something that we had expected. We hadn't promoted it in our first uh, 20 years. Yeah. Uh, in the being, being New Zealand and being Kiwi was sufficient, but uh, I think we need a lot more now to compete internationally, particularly now that we're starting off uh, on the back foot in terms of yeah. countries opening up post-pandemic. Our research that we do at New Zealand Story shows us that actually New Zealand's Māori culture is something of very real interest. You know, the fact mm. that we have this integrated culture into our society, that it's very progressive in the way that we treat it is something that's of increasing curiosity globally. So it's obviously coming yeah, through in the sector too. We've always welcomed students with a porphyry as part of orientation yeah. and that goes right through to graduation where we have 
the Mihi Fakato and the celebration of the Maori culture as part of graduation as well. But uh, now it's integrated into everything that we do from day to day, not just at the beginning and the end. So Fantastic. I think that's a, a great advantage for us to develop further. Fantastic. We need we need to learn a lot alongside our Poarahi, mm-hmm. and uh, we're meeting the uh, local iwi whose place is uh, Owaraka, Mount Albert, uh, which is where we are in the middle of Auckland. Yeah. So meeting the iwi and finding out their stories and uh, how they are connected to the land where we felt that we had uh, purchased uh, 30 right. years ago, but there's a lot more history, a lot more history behind beyond that, that 30 that we, years. That yeah. we, uh, we need to know and we need to appreciate. And uh, our international students want to know that as well. Wonderful. And I know you've recently become a Fernmark licensee. I see you're flying the Fern very comfortably there on your lapel. Tell us about that too. What is it, you know, how does that represent for you? Well, it's been very exciting for us to be accepted by Fernmark and being able to um, fly the New Zealand flag offshore. It gives us a lot of status and uh, we are honoured to uh, have, the, have the mark. At the moment, we're uh, developing our 2023 collateral to take overseas and right. we'll be using the the Fernmark is part of our branding offshore in all of our markets. We have some uh, history. Uh, uh, I mean, we were part of the New Zealand Way many years ago. Oh, that really? goes back about 20 years yeah. where we're, um, we had the New Zealand Way alongside our uh, logo and branding. That was uh, great at that time. Yeah. And this is a, a reiteration of that and a new new version with a whole lot more life and a whole lot more meaning to it as well. So that's we're very great. excited to uh, be uh, using that as part of our uh, branding going forward. Oh, that's great. Well, it's just a, a recent change that we've decided to make in terms of getting education institutes using, mm-hmm. you know, allowing them to use the Fernmark. But, I mean, that Fernmark globally we now know has this – people definitely associate the Fernmark with New Zealand, which is useful, and they have very high positive associations with it as well. So we're hoping that it's going to accelerate the growth of organisations yes. like yours. Yeah, we're very excited to be one of the first education providers to be approved for the uh, Fernmark, and um, I'm sure it'll be um, very valuable and popular with the international education sector as well. Yeah. What would your advice be to any other organisation who's thinking about utilising their New Zealandness? I mean, you talked a lot through this interview around how you portray the values of New Zealand, how you get the trust of other countries and thinking about New Zealand. What's your sort of secret sauce that you would pass on to others? Uh, well, before that used to be the clean, green environment, uh, but there's a lot more uh, meaning behind uh, the country brand now, I think. It's great to see the environmental aspects coming to the fore, so um, we're encouraging uh, students to come here now who really respect the environment. We'll show um, guardianship and uh, tiaki, that's our, our promise, and uh, we would love to spread that message as well because that's what students want and uh, we want to keep New Zealand pristine and uh, clean and green for them and also for their families in the future. Yeah, I'd imagine that's a big thing you're seeing because you deal with a a demographic of the population that's rapidly shifting its awareness of climate change and of, you know, the importance of equity, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. And you're having to, as an institute, I suppose, really cater to or keep up with that trend. Yes, we've had environmental sustainability as part of our academic programs uh, right up uh, to the MBA um, program. The students that were preparing to... um, qualify with postgraduate business degrees, uh, certainly need a great understanding of that. Many of them will be setting up businesses in New Zealand in the future, bringing uh, other business partners from around the world to New Zealand for import and export or service or the services sector. So uh, it's important to uh, ingrain that understanding uh, right from stage one of a bachelor's degree through to a postgraduate MBA. So our graduates really can walk the talk once they uh, go out into the world, whether that's uh, in New Zealand or um, anywhere offshore. Fantastic. 
And just finally, what are your favourite sort of three subjects? Like when you're not working, do you sneak into a, like a lecture theatre and have a listen? What were your three kind of things that you would love to learn more about? I'm a geography graduate from Victoria University, so I've always been keen on uh, learning about the world. Uh, but more recently, I've been trying to learn a lot more about our own culture here in New Zealand and uh, the Maori language and yeah. uh, the protocols involved in uh, us as Kiwis hosting people from around around the world, but doing that in a respectful way mm. as part of a bicultural New Zealand and yeah. uh, welcoming students into a multicultural uh, Auckland. In terms of my own uh, learning, though, I guess... Um, I'm trying to uh, build up my skills in social media and uh, and oh, digital sure, marketing, yeah. as that's quite a new area for us. When we started AIS, we were very uh, traditional, uh, yeah. and we still are in, in many many respects. But uh, we we need to um, upgrade ourselves in terms of uh, digital marketing and uh, promotion uh, through social media. Presenting ourselves as a uh, conservative, I guess, New Zealand organisation, that's important for education. Yeah. Uh, it's not just the students that we're promoting to, but their parents and uh, the the wider whanau of the students as that's well. Right. So uh, a conservative, uh, traditional education provider like AIS, I think, is is a strength. Yeah, for so us in trustworthiness mm-hmm. yes, and, as yes, you say, the fact that they important. can trust their children, you know, if mm-hmm. you're talking about the parents, to be well-educated and well-looked after. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Richard, for flying the fern and uh, really great to have a chat with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast series is all about highlighting the amazing work New Zealand companies are doing in a variety of sectors and spaces. If you like this episode, there's plenty more great stories from Flying the Fern podcast that you can listen to. Just go ahead and check them out where you found this one. We're also highlighting the Fernmark license program, which we talked about during the episode. The Fernmark is our national symbol and a country of origin mark that helps Kiwi businesses promote trust, authenticity and credibility by leveraging the good reputation that New Zealand has overseas. To find out more or to apply to be part of the programme, head to our website, fernmark.nzstory.gov.nz. And lastly, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Haere for now.